Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization. For those of you who are listening to me for the first time, I'm a personal organization expert and I help people remove their clutter and organize their lives. I help people with time management, I help people with their physical clutter, and I help people just reduce their waste overall, which is why here on Akira Sabayas, I talk about zero waste a lot. Now, I know that a lot of ladies don't like it, but um, I want to tell you a little bit about, I want to just go over a little bit about why I think that zero waste is so important. Now, there are, there has, I know we don't like to talk about the internet and I'm okay with that, but I, I just want to let everyone know that I actually run a group on Facebook that has almost a thousand people in it. And um, it's called Organizing in Israel. And this morning, a friend of mine who's, who I've been friends with, we actually went to summer camp together. I've been friends with her since I was a teenager. Um, she sent me a text message. She's always, she's always trying to, to get organized. And she sent me a text message this morning saying, hey, I should check out this certain, um, this certain personal organizer. She had such a great system. And, and what I always find lacking from each, every other personal organizer I've ever seen is that there's no real system to maintain the organization after you do get organized. So I have ladies who call me up here and they say to me, they leave me a voicemail and they say to me, you know, I uh, listen to you and oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Just from listening to you every week, I've decluttered so much stuff and my life is so much better and I'm saving money and I, and I don't have so much waste anymore. Thank you so much. And I love hearing that. Believe me, I love it. And it gives me a tremendous amount of satisfaction. But I'm also hearing from, from ladies like, I don't, I don't understand the zero waste aspect part of things. And I really want to sort of make clear as to why I, I believe in zero waste and why it's a it's a worthwhile goal not just from the mitzvot side of things like you know um baltashrit but from our own personal lives too i think reducing waste has a lot of effects on us it helps us stay more organized it helps us save money it helps do something better for the environment so I want to just read to you what I posted in my group today. Every Wednesday I post something about zero waste, or almost every Wednesday I post something about zero waste. And I call it Zero Waste Wednesday. Now I also talk to you ladies every Wednesday, and so I, uh, I don't know, it just, it came out this week, and I, I just, I want to read to you what I wrote this morning. And I hope that it inspires you, but I also hope that it gives you a little bit more insight into why I believe that there is a strong connection between reducing your waste and, and being organized. So here's what I wrote. Good morning, friends. Today is Zero Waste Wednesday. I want to tell you 
about why this is so important to me and how it relates to organizing. I am not zero waste. I consider myself low waste or journeying to zero waste. And we produce about one, sometimes more if it's a chag, 13 gallon trash bag a week. Usually it's not full, but it needs to go out because it smells. This is down from what we used to produce, which was eight to 10 bags a week. I'm a personal organizer and I have three kids. We have some clutter in our home, but in general, everything we have in our home has a place to live. If it doesn't, out it goes. Now I can coach you on how to declutter and I can give you, and I can even come to your house and help you declutter and your house will be organized and it will look like it would in a magazine. But how will you maintain it unless you change your habits? I'm going to just go off of what I wrote here for one minute and say that zero waste is so much like losing weight. You could do Weight Watchers. You could reduce eating food, eat less calories. You could exercise every day. But unless you make these changes permanent, the weight loss will not stick. You have to maintain it. Now, back to the letter. I believe that in order to maintain any organizational goals we achieve, we need to reduce what comes into our homes. Look around your home. What do you see? Papers, plastic bags, junky toys, containers, whatever you see, it's there because we allow it in our home. We shop and buy things in plastic containers. We take freebies simply because they are free, even if we do not need them. We have mail coming into our homes that isn't dealt with promptly. These are just a few examples, and what comes into your home may be different, but it's all there just the same. When we make an effort to say no to buying what we don't need, figure out how to reuse what we already have, and minimize trash, we're able to maintain organization and cleanliness better. We are able to manage our time better. We are able to have more focus when we do a task. This is why I promote zero waste, not because it should be your goal, but because I believe it helps you to truly be organized. Reducing consumption is the key to organization and zero waste ideas help us get there and maintain organization. I am happy to answer any questions you guys may have about this. Sorry, you ladies may have about this. And I welcome your comments on how I can improve my talk to you every single week. But what I want you to understand and what I want to be clear is that zero waste is not my religion. <laughs> I am a from Jew, okay? I may not be exactly the same as some of you, but I believe that Hashem is in charge of everything. And that's why I sign off every week saying, Hashem keeps you organized. Not me. I am just fulfilling part of my tafkid by talking to you ladies about organization. Zero waste for me is my method of teaching organization. That's it. It's a method. It's something that I employ in my house every week, and it's something that has helped me find success and not only in my personal and professional lives, but also it has given me success in my home. My home just runs more smoothly. I 
I just don't have to fight with my kids so much about waste, okay? About throwing away their trash, about cleaning up their rooms. I'm not saying I never fight with my kids about it. My kids are kids, they're normal kids. I fight with them. But what I'm saying is, is uh, companies spend a tremendous amount of money trying to influence us to buy things because we need them, we must have them. Not only do they take into consideration our feeling about a certain item, they prepare the packaging a certain way, the way that's most likely to get the most people to buy. In the stores that we go to, the air is pumped in with extra oxygen so that we feel good. A lot of times there's a scent in the air that we can really identify with and so that it, it leads to more purchasing. Or, or maybe they play a certain music that really aligns to you know, making us purchase more. And these have all been carefully thought out ways to make us purchase make us purchase more. And the thing is, is that we don't need more. We have enough. If you look through your house right now, if you had a fire, what, and you could only get out 20% of your belongings, what would you save? If you had to evacuate and could take 20% of your belongings, what would you save? If you were making Aliyah and could only take 20% of your things to Israel with you, what would you save? You can go through and look through and say, oh, but this cost me money and this was so expensive and what if I need it in the future? What if? You might. Hashem will give it to you. It's not what you need to worry about. Your stuff is not what you need to worry about. What you need to worry about is your family. How can you be there for your family? How can you do your job? How can you satisfy your own desires and needs in your own life. Your things don't do that for you. And for the ladies who tell me that it's it does do that for you, take a step back. Look at what you have. Do these things really make you feel better? Or is it the acquisition of new things that makes you feel better? Is it the fact that it's shiny and new what makes you feel better? What makes you feel better? Analyze that purchase. What is it? Is it the actual event of shopping? If shopping is what makes you happy, become a personal shopper. If, if it's the thrill of something new, find a way to be a crafter. If, I don't even know, whatever it is that makes you feel the need to compulsively buy and spend and that you must need it, that you must have it, Analyze why you feel that way. Now, I am not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not even a social worker, okay? I, I don't know the deep psychological feelings that come along with these, or I can't necessarily speak to in an educated way as to why we have these feelings, where they come from, but they come from somewhere, okay? A lot of times it's because you know, our parents or our grandparents were survivors or lived through the depression or any number of things where they grew up very poor, whatever it is, we feel like we have the money and things are so cheap and we can buy and we can buy and we can buy and we can have so much and we're not poor and we need to show everyone that we're not poor. But ultimately, we can't take it with us. I actually gave a talk this week to a bunch of senior citizens, 60 plus people. Um, most of them were in their 70s and 80s about downsizing and I told them 
the story of George Bell. George Bell was a man who lived in New York City. This article I read was in the New York Times in 2015, October 2015. You can look it up if you want and search the New York Times archive for George Bell. George Bell was a hoarder, okay? He had so much trash in his house. They, a medical examiner, they didn't find him for a week. And when they finally found him, he was bloated beyond recognition and nobody knew who he was. He didn't have any next of kin. He hadn't organized what he wanted to happen with all of his estate. And maybe he lived a good life, but he lived a life alone with stuff. And that article made me so sad because ladies, at the end of the day, what did he have all the stuff for? Sadly, so much of it was trash. There was hardly anything that was valuable in the house. And he lived with trash because he thought he needed it. Now, he was a true hoarder, and I'm sure that probably 95%, if not 99 or even 100% of you are not really bad hoarders like he was where you're actually hoarding trash. But you are hoarding. You can't take it with you. It's like the story I always like to say about, I don't know if I've said it here or not, but the story I always like to say about the man who, who says to his children, when I die, or writes in his will, when I die, I want you to bury me in my socks. And the lawyer, the executor of the will, reads the, the will before you know the father is buried and the children say, oh my goodness, how are we going to get him to be buried in his socks? It's impossible. It's not, it's not, um, you know, allowed according to halacha. And what are we going to do? And they went to the Hever Kedisha and they begged the Hever Kedisha, please let me, let us bury our father with his socks on. And they said, of course, no. And they went to the rough, please, 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 please let us bury our father in our socks. No. At the end of the shiva, the executor, so he gets buried without his socks. At the end of the shiva, the executor says to the man, to the children, this is a letter from your father. The children read it. And of course the letter says, children, by now you know, you can't bury me with, your so with my socks on. You couldn't bury me with my socks on. That's the lesson. You can't take it with you. Not even a pair of socks. And that to me is so powerful. We can't take it with us. So what are we accumulating it for? Why? What are we, like, for what purpose? Because we can? That's great. There's a lot of things we can do that we shouldn't do. There is a huge burden that we place on our children, our families, our siblings, or chas v'shalom, even our parents, that will have to clean up after us when we die. Nobody wants your stuff, okay? You think you have beautiful stuff, and you probably do have beautiful stuff, but your kids are not going to want to inherit it. By the time you pass away, it will Hashem, be after 120 years, and your kids, you will already be a great, great grandparent. Who will want the things? And by the time you're 120 years old, you're not going to be living in the same big, giant house you're living in when you're 50 or 40 or 30 even. Their priorities change over time. If you accumulate less when you make all those moves in the future, it's going to be a lot easier for you. It's going to be easier for your children when they have to help you. 
and we just don't need to accumulate so much. So if you want to know why I'm a little bit fanatical about zero waste, it's because I see it. I see the results of being zero waste. I see about how allowing less things in our house and producing less trash makes people's lives better. I see how when we reduce our clutter, we are happier. And I see how we become less of a burden to our families when we have less. When we stop to think about the bracha that could be bestowed on us from Hashem when we are not spending frivolous, frivolously, when we can stop and see that we have what we need. And if there's something that we want, we should consider what about it we really want. Now, for example, let's talk about the iRobot, which we've been talking about a lot lately, okay? I love my iRobot, honestly. <laughs> it's my best child. <laughs> it, it cleans up and it doesn't talk back and it does it every night and all I have to do is push the button, right? That's the same as if I say, please clean up and it does it. So it is written, so it is done kind of thing, okay? I love my iRobot. It's a great, great tool, but it's an expensive tool, okay? Now, it saves me money because I run the iRobot every night and I don't have, it saves me money a few ways. The first way is that I don't have to vacuum my floor every day. So if money is time, you think about how much you would earn in the 20 minutes that it takes you to vacuum your floor versus letting the robot do it. That's number one, how you calculate its value. Number two is when I do have a cleaner come, he spends less time cleaning because the floor isn't caked with dirt and mud. So that saves me money because he spends less time cleaning. And the third way it saves me is because I don't have to spend my time doing it and that's 20 minutes that I can focus on my kids or I can focus on my husband or I can focus on myself. And that's the thing. My life is better now because I have time to take care of myself. Sure, imagine how it was for women 100 years ago or 200 years ago when they would have to go down to the, to the river and beat the laundry all day. It takes a tremendous amount of physical strength and it's time consuming. You have to schlep it all down to the river and wash it in the river and, you know, and Baruch Hashem, we have washing machines. And those save us so much time. But think about it. If you had less clothes, that would also save you time. You're washing at the same frequency, but it's faster to put things away because there's less to put away. Do you see what I'm saying? When we have less, we actually have more. And this is hands down the most important thing I want you to take away from today. Having less means having more. More time for you, more time for your husband, more time for your children. And for those of you who have them, more time for your grandchildren. When we focus on not spending money on our fam I'm sorry. 
that was the chair. <laughs> when we spend time on focusing on spending time with our family and enjoying our time together and less about what we're going to buy each other, that's a much better quality of life. Hanukkah is coming. Next week, Bezrat Hashem, I will give you some tips on, on th things I think you can do to um, eliminate Hanukkah presents. But think about it. I, I would love to hear your ideas about how you can reduce waste over Hanukkah. Every night, you're going to give your kids a present. A lot of times, it's going to be a junk toy present. It's going to break within two minutes. What is the purpose of that? Your kids are going to be crying in two minutes after it breaks, right? Why? Why are we going to do this to ourselves? It's not worthwhile. And it's a perfect opportunity to refocus our children away from the consumer aspect of Hanukkah, of what it has become, that we need to have a present every night, and more focus on the beautiful mitzvah of Hanukkah. We can watch the menorah. We could play dreidel. We could have delicious latkes. Like, this is, to me, what the... Um, time of Hanukkah is all about. It's the time that we can sit and spend relaxing, watching the candles burn down. To me, that's my favorite part. I love watching the menorah. Actually, the Hanukkah, as we call it here. I love watching it. And I love that quiet time that I can take. And I don't feel bad about taking that quiet time watching the menorah because I don't have a million other things to do. I mean, of course I have a million other things to do, but I can afford the time to sit there and enjoy the beauty of the menorah because even though there's always something to do, I just don't feel beholden to my stuff and I'm not worried about the stuff. Okay? It's really, really, really simple and easy. And you can do this. If, if zero waste is not your goal, that's okay. But reducing what you bring into your home should be part of your goal. It's the way to maintain organization. And I'm going to go back to the weight loss um, analogy because it's, I think, the closest thing and also it's the most relatable to me. When we want to maintain any weight loss that we have, we can't just start eating, you know, fettuccine alfredo for breakfast and a steak for lunch and a steak for dinner, you know, every single night with potatoes on both sides and rice. And we just, we can't consume that many calories anymore or else our stomach will stretch back out and we'll gain all the weight back. We have to make a real change in order for us to maintain the organization. So the reason why I call this program Journey to Organization is because I dafka think that this is not something you can do in one session. Sometimes people hire me and they're like, hey, I hired you. Now it's a silver bullet and I'm going to be organized forever and ever and ever and ever. It's not. You have to make the commitment to organization. You have to reduce your waste. You have to reduce your purchasing. You are in charge of you. You can do it. You can teach your families. And you can make yourself have a better life by just shopping less, buying less, considering your purchases more, and not bringing waste into your home, okay? I really hope that this 
has shed a little bit more light into sort of where I am on my journey to organization. It's still a journey for me. I look around my house and I still have sometimes things to declutter. There's papers that do come into my home. Right away, they're swept into the recycling bin. There are plastic bags that sometimes come into my home. We still buy bread in a bag. I have to deal with that trash. It's hard, it's, but it sits around and you have to find a way to manage it better. That is how you maintain organization. So now, I got this one question. I got a lot of questions and I really do want to address them all. And oh, I hear that one of my children's watches is going off. I don't know where it is. So I just have to listen to the beeping for a few seconds. Hang on, let me see if I can find it. Okay, it stopped. So this one question that I got that I really, really, really want to address was a lady called me and said, but I, I bought some beautiful clothes at, I don't remember where she bought them. They weren't expensive clothes. I bought some, they weren't expensive, they lasted me so long and sometimes I spend more money on clothing and it doesn't last me quite as long. And what should I do? I feel bad about profiting on the back of all of those workers who are working for very low wages, but sometimes it's really a good deal and I need this stuff and I think that it will last me. I cannot tell you what to do. You have to vote with your conscience. What that means is that when we spend money at stores that support labor that's basically slavery, we're saying to these manufacturers, that's okay. And you have to decide if that's okay with you. I can't tell you, you know, where your moral compass is. You have to make that decision on your own. Where you shop is your choice. What you buy is your choice, but it's yours. It's not anybody else's. And there's always external influences trying to get us to make a purchase. That's true. But think about how you would feel if you were the one who was, you know, making these things. I mean, I know people in Israel, um, Bosch is a really, really popular um, brand for appliances. And it's not well known, but Bosch was, is a German company. And during World War II, they made products for the Nazis. I guess. I don't know who exactly they were producing for, but they were part of the German war effort. Of course they were. They're a German company. <laughs> like, you know, so I know a lot of people who won't buy from Bosch. And I kind of feel bad about um, buying a Bosch if I think about it from the historical perspective. But from the perspective today, as far as I know, they're not employing slave laborers anymore. And the company seems to have done a turnaround. And, you know, I can't find a good reason to not buy it. 
Um, at this point, I don't actually own any Bosch appliances, but um, I don't see why I couldn't own one. I mean, maybe there is a good reason why I shouldn't in memory of everybody, but we have to also support manufacturers that are willing to commit to a change. And it would be great if we could buy everything Jewish owned and operated, but it's not possible. It, most of our, most very few clothing manufacturers manufacture anything in America. And if the labor is, I mean, they have to have laborers. Um, that doesn't, when I say laborer, that doesn't mean someone who's paid in properly. It just means someone who's a worker. Um, usually American companies, they have to pay minimum wage. Okay. Minimum wage really is not a living wage, but still it's more money than people who are making in, you know, Sri Lanka or Cambodia or wherever. The, the fact of the matter is, is that we can't repair the whole problem just by, you know, only supporting manufacturing in America right away. We can make a big dent in it or manufacturing in Israel or wherever we live, the country that we live in. Um, we can't make a big dent from one or two or three people. But if we all work together and say, this is not what we want, then it will matter. And it takes time for that to happen. So in the meantime, there are a lot of companies that do um, make their apparel in America. If, if ladies are interested, um, I can try to find out where exactly those are. I'm not saying that buying American made is the only choice. I'm saying it's fine if there are companies that are working with Cambodians or Vietnamese or wherever to um, create production lines where the employees are actually getting paid good wages. You can buy from those companies. The, the truth is, the sad truth is that most of our stuff is not made in America and it's shipped and imported from overseas. Uh, I mean, I would probably venture to say 90% of what we purchase comes from China or some other Asian country. Um, and there's very little being produced from other countries coming into America. Now, I know that not everybody in this group who's listening is from America, but just for argument's sake, um, I mean, everything that comes into Israel, almost everything that comes into Israel is imported from America, Europe, or China, or Japan, or some other country. There's almost nothing that's made in Israel. And uh, I don't know what the story is for the ladies who are listening in the UK. Um, I don't know. I just don't know enough about that particular aspect of manufacturing to, to say what's being produced in the UK. But buying things that are produced locally has advantages is because most of the time they're observing, you know, local better labor practices, but also there's less shipping involved, which means that you're saving on fuel for shipping. Um, I can't, I'm sorry, I, <laughs> I just took my train of thought and ran with it a, a little bit. So I want to just circle back to the question is I can't tell you where to shop. And I'm not going to tell you where to shop. 
You shop with your conscience. I know that sometimes you buy a better quality item, quote unquote, better quality item, and then sometimes it pills terribly and it was awful. And I know that sometimes a cheap item could last you a thousand years. I totally understand and it's a conundrum. You have to make the best choices for you. All I want you to do is think about it. Think about where things are really coming from. Think about what we gain from purchasing, you know, from from these places. Why do we have to purchase so much? We can buy a lot of things secondhand. Now, I'm not saying we can always buy secondhand. I have a very hard time buying secondhand in Israel. Um, buying, first of all, I'm very tall. I'm five foot ten. Um, a lot of times skirts, even if they fit me, are just too short for me. And it's hard for me to buy secondhand. It really, really is because also I have enormous feet. I, it's so hard for me to get shoes also. I doesn't bother me because I don't buy shoes that often and I don't shop that much. But for me, I find that buying secondhand is not the best solution because of my size and because of my specific needs. But for my kids, I certainly do hand-me-downs. I get hand-me-downs. I'm happy to receive hand-me-downs. I love it, actually. And the kids, you know, a lot of times think it's cool. But I am happy also knowing if I'm buying something that will last them a long time. I bought my son a size bigger in his school shirts, and it's going to last him for two years. And that's fine with me. It'll last him until he's no longer in the school, and he'll need a new Samuel on his shirt. And that, to me, getting two years out of shirts that he basically wears every day is a pretty good return on my investment, I think. And... I feel okay knowing that I bought from a better reputable company. And you have to do what makes you feel comfortable. So I hope that this episode has shed a little bit of light on um, where I come from, what I really believe, how I want you to understand what I believe. Um, but I want, I just, I sometimes feel like we are disconnected from each other. And what I really want to emphasize to you is that even though I'm further along in my organizational journey, and even though I'm farther along in my waste reduction journey than you, you can get to where I am. You don't have to suffer along the journey as much as I did. And you can have a happier more productive, clutter-free life if you really try to make that happen for yourself. So I'll remind you what I always remind you at the end of um, my sessions is that Hashem is the one who keeps you organized, not me. And I am just talking to you because it's part of my tafkid. And... Uh, one thing I do want to say is that uh, today is Wednesday, but um, this coming Friday, I'll be speaking at the Ima Kadima conference in Tel Aviv on time management. Um, so if anybody uh, wants to buy a ticket, um, you can still. Um, and I would love to see you all at my breakout session on time management. 
and I wish you all a productive week, an organized week, and a happy week with less.